Welcome, welcome. So good to have you here. We are going to ask a few questions. We've got some great fathers here. I was thinking that the children's ages probably range from a few months old to 50-ish. Uh, That's not me. That's not me. <laughs> and so we're going to chuck away with some questions uh, with this amazing uh, panel. But if you are following with us uh, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, there are some great scriptures in there where Paul's really exhorting Timothy. And I want to start off with this question because Paul says uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, I think it's in verse 15, he talks about uh, there are many instructors. So there's, there's many teachers that are around, but there's very few fathers. And I want to open up this question. What's the difference between an instructor and a father in the, in the context of this verse? Yeah, I'd love to take that one, Jakey. Um, I, I think um, the difference between instructing and, and being a father, I mean, I can instruct my kids, um, but then it, it gives this expectation that my love is, is dependent on how they perform and whether they follow the instruction or not. Whereas a father, to me, is all about complete 100% acceptance and belonging, regardless of how they, of how they perform. So um, instructing them through life, sure, I'll do that, but whether they fail or succeed... They, uh, there's never any question regardless of that this is the safest place on earth, that they are loved, that they are accepted, that they are completely, you know, they belong somewhere. That to me is the difference between instructor and father. Yeah, yeah there's no shortage of instructors. Uh, instructors aren't bad, but um, there is a shortage of fathers. Um, and that's what I think uh, Paul's referencing here, 10,000, 10,000 instructors. And uh, today you can get a task list and you can fulfill a task list. But fatherhood is so much more than that. And uh, the world right now needs a whole lot of fathers. Yeah, I think it's a great point, Wayne, that, um, uh, you know, that the, the, the love that we give isn't attached to performance. So it creates a space of security for, for the kids. And, uh, you know, um, I really believe that an instructor dispenses information, but a father pours their life out. And uh, for, for me, you know, I'm a, a dad now, and um, I think what, what motivates me isn't, yeah, right, uh, what motivates me isn't necessarily, um, you know, my, my kid learning more information, but it's seeing him succeed in life. And I think the, the motivation for a father is to see your kids flourish. I think the um, role of an instructor is really coming from the mind, so they can work things out from the mind, whereas the father comes from the heart. And when you're flowing from the heart, you're really concerned about the development and the progress of the person, whereas the mind is really just giving academic assent to different principles, whereas there's a major difference from the heart of a father really seeking to look for the welfare and the well-being of the, the, the children that they have responsibility entrusted to them for. Yeah, I like in the message version, it kind of has this dialogue where it says there are kind of many people who can point out what's wrong, but there are a few fathers that are willing to take the time and the care to help people grow. And I think that's what a father does appear to an instructor. An instructor is sort of, sort of performance-oriented, but a father said, I'm in here for this long haul. I'm here to help you grow, for you to discover, for you to mature. And I think that's quite significant. Some cracking answers there uh, for you at home. Just like and comment if you got some, uh, if you like some of the comments that you're hearing as well. What, so we're 2020. It's been an interesting year. Uh, lots of unprecedented being thrown around and that kind of thing. But what's the, what are the biggest challenges that fathers are facing? Do you think in this in this kind of day and age? Not you know COVID notwithstanding. What are some of the challenges that fathers are facing, Stu? Oh look, I think it's um, you know it's been quite a year and. Uh, and it's been quite a decade. I mean, we're dealing with social media. We're dealing with the amount of pressure that's put on kids to play sport at a high level. Um, 
dealing with uh, right. There's a whole lot of things, but if I could just take a, a slightly different tack and, and say that I think possibly one of the most important things that kind of gets forgotten uh, isn't all that, but it's maintaining a relationship with your child. Right. So through the teenage years, we all know um, that our kids, our teens' brains are mush. You know, they don't start functioning until midday. Teens' brains are mush. There you go. You can put that on social media. <laughs> Not my kids, that <laughs> Other people's kids. It was just you growing up, eh? <laughs> so Stu's brain is mush. Okay, cool. Carry on. Um, no, I think if, if we could um, just focus on maintaining our relationship with our kids, and I've been it likened to uh, going fishing with a fly rod, so with a very lightweight rod, and catching a big fish. And, um, and the, the fish is zipping and whizzing away, and that's when our kids are just going a bit crazy, and we've got to rein them in. That's good. But if we just jam the line, it's going to snap. So we've got to be sensitive with how we do that. So how do we have boundaries, but how do we let them learn who they are and how to go through life? And if we could just learn to play our teenagers like you said first. If we could just uh, learn to play our uh, teenagers like a big fish and not let that line snap, we're doing a lot better than, than most. And, and I'll just throw something else in there too, if, if I could. And um, that is that um, if, we can, um, if we can let our kids know that our love isn't unconditional, that it doesn't matter what they do, and I think Ed touched on this, it is unconditional, our love is unconditional. We don't love them more if they do well. You know, we love them just as much when they fail. That's great. Yeah. Um, it's so easy in, I guess, the busyness of life to just go into instruction mode, you know? And um, I think the challenge is just maintaining that, that relationship, being intentional about it. And, um, and so for me and my kids, you know, it's, it's, they just, at their ages, they're nine and, and uh, seven, and they just want to play, you know, and, and have fun with dad. And, and sometimes that can be an inconvenience, you know, and you think, oh, I've got so much to do, but... But those times are actually really precious, you know, and, and understanding that the investment there actually makes such a difference in their lives, and so being intentional about that. Yeah, I think um, one of the bigger challenges that, that a lot of fathers might be facing at the moment is, is just knowing what their kids are dealing with, because, uh, you know, we live in um, an age where kids are more informed than they've ever been, and we'll probably all be pretty astounded to, to know what they're exposed to, and so I think... Um, knowing what they're dealing with, but are creating a, a, a channel where you can communicate, where you can just listen, where you can learn, uh, where kids are, are free to open up uh, so you can be a part of their world. So yeah, I reckon that's probably one of the bigger challenges that, that people are facing these days. Yeah, which is why I really like what Stu said about maintaining a relationship. Because yeah. if you've got a relationship, you can talk. And it's a relationship that's honest, that's open, that they feel really safe to be able to talk about anything. Uh, you know, and, it, and I think that starts right from when they're really, really super young. Just that bedtime where you can talk, and they're and they're kind of open, and they and they feel super safe, snuggled up with their bed, dad there. You know, I just think that's so so important. Yeah, I think too within that there's the challenge of as a as a father, um, because you're you're trying to uh, measure up and relate to your kid based on how you were fathered. So for me. My father died when, he was, when I was young. And so, you know, my kids are coming to me and having conversations about identity. And, you know, my oldest kid is 10. <laughs> and even things like suicide. And I'm like, oh, 
I don't know, I don't remember having this conversation with my father. And so things like even being okay with not knowing how to answer those questions, but having the line open and just, yeah. just talking and just, you know, learning as you go um, and being humble about it as well. I always remember Ian Grant, when he would finish off every conversation that he had with, when he was public speaking a lot, and he would talk about an encounter that he had with someone that he was doing a, a talk with, and she said, you know, the one thing you need to do at the end of every night is to sit at the edge of your kid's bed, you know, and ask them about how their day was and engage in their world. And I just thought that was really, really solid advice for, for all the parents at home. So why, you know, why is the role of the father, particularly the role of the father, so important? Why is it so important today? Um, so in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 4, uh, in the message version, um, Paul starts off by saying that um, he's not a security guard of the secrets of the kingdom. He's a guide, and his role is to help people orientate towards the secrets of the kingdom. And I think as, as a father, our role is to, uh, to help guide our kids, you know, towards the things of God. And, um, and I think if we can do that well... Um, that would probably do half the job of a father, right? And it involves everything, uh, discipline, you know, just in regards to just, uh, uh, just discovering your purpose, all that sort of stuff, even the love of the father. And so, yeah, I just think um, it's really important to understand that, man, we're guides, you know, and so, yeah. That's, that's good because, I mean, it's kind of challenging to know how to equip a, a child for a future that we're uncertain of. Um, you know, you don't know exactly what the future is going to bring, but you can invest into the the child. You know, and I think that's how the our role is to invest into them as a person, to see them grow, so that they can face the challenges that we have and, and succeed in them. I think one of the areas with fathers that we, if we get a vision of seeing that God has entrusted to us yeah. these little lives. So we're not owners, we're entrusted. So biologically, we're their father. But when you understand that fathers are entrusted with lives and we're there to nurture them through the different phases of their growing, they say the most formative part of a child's life is uh, the first eight years. And so that formative time is so important. And often fathers can be present but not present in that vital time. And that's where I believe we're developing their identity. We're helping them to understand the importance of boundaries. We're helping to under, uh, them to understand their little identity. All those things are being fashioned. And so fathers have got a major role through that first eight years because that'll help take away some of the pain that comes as they go into their teenage years. As Stu said, they're grappling. Mm. They're struggling with all this, you called it, Mush, and uh, but but it is. It's like, and that's curious. And and sometimes, you know, parents I think just give away too quickly at that phase, uh, because they just still need to be nurtured. They still need to know that unconditional love. But we're stewarding them. We're we're helping them come to a point in their life where they can grow and sense maturity. Yeah, I I reckon this this thing of fatherlessness. I'll jump in here. So, um, yeah, one of the things that Bruce just mentioned is, is a, the, the tension of uh, fatherhood and actually being present. And uh, so in my own journey, um, I was absent um, at home because of work. And so my job took me a lot away from my family, which meant I wasn't present. And so it became a bit of a tension point 
in learning, I had to really relearn how to parent and, and be a father because I was absent. And I think dads are struggling today to, to actually be present because hours are longer, your, your time away from your family and your children are, are a lot less. And so the moments that we do get to spend with our children are becoming more valuable. Um, and uh, even uh, during lockdown, I think a lot of dads in the conversations that I've had have really made the opportunity to connect with their, with their children uh, more because they've been at home when they normally wouldn't have been at home. And uh, e- even, even with um, some of the, the job situations where dads are now having to uh, learn how to re-employ themselves and, and, and find work, you know, there's, in, in, in the homes today, uh, being a father is, is, is if, if we think about um, what their role is in the household, um, can be quite challenging, and, and I think dads really are looking for support and encouragement around that. Yes, um, that's awesome. Um, oh. Just lost my train of thought. I've got something. Go. Where you're thinking, I've got well, something. okay. Wait, 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 wait. Well, awesome. I'll jump in there. I'll jump in there then. So just picking up on what... Um, is it still on? I think, is that working? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, that's the line. Um, so just touching on what um, Pastor Barrett was saying there, it, it's just some practical steps about that, about being there. So if you're at home, be there. And a lot of us are busy. And, and the thing is, we've got social media and devices now. So wherever we are, we can get our work emails. We can get texts. We can get phone calls. So I think as parents, as dads, we need to put some boundaries in place. And I think, um, you know, we can all set our phones that the emails... Um, stop arriving whenever we like. So it's kind of a good idea to stop them when work starts or an hour uh, stops or an hour after. It's good to have a lamppost on the way home. So when you're driving home, you hit that lamppost and at that lamppost you stop and you start focusing not on work but on your family and you make a conscious shift. Um, I think don't take devices into your bedroom. You know, just don't. Who's responsible here um, for going to bed with their wives, you've both got your phones and you're sitting there looking on Facebook. You know, you should be talking. It's a great time to unwind and talk. So just some practical steps. Don't let your kids take their devices into their bedrooms. There's another one. Yeah, I I, I just really appreciate what, um, just to speak your vulnerability with that, because I just, because I had an absent father as well, and it was because of work. But I don't really actually think it was because of work. I just think work became his drug because of other issues underneath. And it would be the same. And and as much as I didn't want to do that, I ended up doing the same thing. Exactly the same thing. And I think it, it, it's a cycle if we're not really careful. And so I had to dig deeper to see, well, what were those issues? Why was I not there for the, for the kids? And I think one of the areas that um, we could really talk into the whole uh, area of the male or the father is insecurity. And often because of our insecurity, we're actually walking away from our responsibility. And what we do is we say, well, I'm the provider, so I'm going to make sure that my family's got good wealth, got good income. But really in the end, money cannot uh, fill the gap that a father who's present can fill. And uh, what we've got to do is break the power of the insecurity in, in our maleness and go and say, no, no, I, I actually need to minister from the heart to my, my children because that, in the end, will, will build greater riches in their life than just giving them money. And I believe we need to make sure we're transitioning that role. Uh, so if I was to say anything to fathers today, 
come on, your children need you. They don't just need money. They need you. I was just I was just thinking yesterday we were at the sand dunes and we were playing this jumping game with the kids and they were up the top there and How jumping. many kids have you got? <laughs> Five. <laughs> we don't have a TV, so you know. Other things to do. Um, <laughs> anyway, we were playing a game and uh, they were jumping off and I was the kind of the master, you know, watching and considering who was the best jumper. And uh, and they said, Dad, come up to the top of the dunes and I was like, I don't want to go all the way up there, that's too far to go. And, uh, and Hunter just said this phrase to me. He says, oh, no, we want you to be with us. And I just thought, I have to learn. You know, I had to really learn how to be a dad. And I learned from my wife. I learned from the community, you know, in church. And also my kids are teaching me. Like, this is today what means a dad is being present. They want me up the top, not down the bottom. And just being humble enough to learn has been a big uh, learning tool. Yeah. Great. It's a great, great picture. Thank you. Um, the Bible talks about God as a father to the fatherless. And uh, I know we want to also recognize, you know, uh, here today, there's a lot of father figures that we have in our world. We realize a lot of fathers are either are absent or maybe some have lost their fathers at an early age. Uh, and also just there's a lot of great father figures out in our communities as well. And so we really want to honor all of you today as well. But perhaps we can talk about God as a father to the fathers. I know, Isaac, you lost your dad at an early age, like how, how has that truth impacted you? Now you touched on it before, but how's that truth impacted you in the way that you lead today? Yeah, um, just shout out to all the single mothers out there. So for me, like I just, I had a real sh- strong mum and she was strong in her faith. And, and also I had, a, I'm, I'm the youngest of 10, so I had a lot of brothers as well. But for me, my mum was just, she just, showed me what it was to just trust in God and actually because I was 13 when my dad passed away so it was kind of that age where I was a little bit too cool in my mind for mum and dad do you know what I mean that was the phase that I was in so but I remember my mum coming in to the room and praying for me early in the morning like early in the morning but being that kid that was like oh mum this is just weird but you know that these are the things that stuck with me and that I remembered when I was older, and I remember her just saying to me, you know, the Bible says that God hears the prayer of a widow, and that he is the fatherless, our father to the fatherless, and he will always be your dad. So while I, I didn't have my dad, she was just reinforcing truth to me all the time. And, and I think that's probably something that I recognized more when I was an old, older. older. Uh, and, and also, too, just I, I just I was always part of a community um, where there was strong male figures in my life. So for me, when I moved to Auckland, one of those people was, was Mark Stevenson, Pastor Mark Stevenson. And just having guys in my life that, were, that I could always go to and speak to, but, but always, were always humble enough to point me back to God and just say, hey, you need to trust in God. You need to go on this journey with God. So, Yeah, I, I, I just don't think... People really understand how important that role of the father is in those formative years, as Bruce was saying. And what it left me with, even though, I mean, dad died when I was early 20s, but he, he like I say, he was absent during those formative years. And I just didn't realize the impact it had on me as a kid, just never feeling safe. So all these guys are growing up just not really feeling safe. Like there's this unconditional love. There's this place of absolute belonging. And I think one of the roles of dad is just identity. You get who you are from, um, from 
from your dad. So I, even though I know I'm Ngāruru because of dad, I know I'm Taranaki because of dad, I know who I am as a Māori, but I, don't, I didn't know who I was as a person because he just was never there. So then um, it wasn't until I came and I met God that God became the father to the fatherless. And all of a sudden I knew my identity, my worth, um, but still I needed a tangible expression of God's arms around me. And that's where other spiritual fathers came into the play. And I'm really thankful. I've had three significant spiritual fathers in my life. One of them is sitting right here. And, um, and I just could you're not welcome. have... <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're Thanks, talking Dick. to Bruce. <laughs> Awkward. Sorry. <laughs> You know, and the importance of having a spiritual father to not only give you identity and, and an expression of God's love, but covering, yeah. that spiritual covering, that protection that you have. And it's something that's really close to my heart because it's, I've, I've taken others into, into my heart as a spiritual father because I see such, it's such a huge problem, yeah. fatherlessness. Yeah. I think um, it's a big issue. Um, like I had a good dad. He's sitting across here. And, um, but... As a father myself, we've all got to recognise there's, there's gaps that you can't fulfil in your kid's life. Yep. And there's a need for God. Yeah. Yep. And even though you may be a good father, you're never going to be a perfect father. And I think even taking that weight of expectation off yourself of being perfect, because none of us are perfect, we all make mistakes. And re- recognising that we've got a father in heaven who is perfect, uh, and he's a father to the fatherless, and he fills the gaps that we have left. And whatever gaps there are in our life, we can be confident that God can come into that space and and meet the need that's that's there. And that's whether you've got a good father, I've got a good father, but there's only some things I could get from God. Yeah. And but if, if your father was absent, you know, wasn't there. Um, I think we can all have a confidence that God can come and fill that space uh, in, in our lives. Yeah, um, just in my own journey, um, when I became a dad, um, I was quite young, and uh, up until that point, my dad was a sick dad, and so he had heart problems, and we were always supporting him um, through his sickness, and when I became a dad, I really didn't have a dad there to help me to learn how to become a father. And so I had to revert back to when I was young and when he was healthy. And so those early times um, were quite precious because he, um, he, he, he worked hard. He, he was a hard worker. And did the, he was absent quite a bit, um, but he was both farming, he was absent. And then when he got sick, he couldn't farm anymore. And so he had to get a job. And that took him away from our house. But the time that I would have with him became quite instrumental in how I would be a dad to my sons. And um, I think that we're looking for examples where Paul writes in this, and says, follow my example, is that I, th- I think that our children are looking for example, father examples of, of um, how they can, because there's no booklet that you, well, in my days, there was no handbook on how to become a dad. You, you had to just had, you had your parents, uh, you had your own dad and your uncles as examples, and especially when you're raised in a Māori environment, yeah, that's what, that, they're the only examples that you've got. And some of those examples weren't good examples. And so you have to, figure it out uh, as you go you know you, you, it's like a, a a learning time to become a dad so that when your children grow up they're going to be great fathers as well 
Yeah. Um, so uh, I just, I mean, one thing that I've learned being a dad is just the importance of being a father to, to, to my kids, right? And just how imperative it is in regards to helping them establish a good foundation, you know? And, um, and so growing up, my, my, um, you know, my mum and dad had a, a split when I was young. Uh, they divorced. And, and so it really, for me growing up, I was looking for some stability, you know, and I was looking for some direction. And, and, I, and my mum, who is amazing, did what she could, but, but the role of a dad, you know, is massive. And, and I just want to say, you know, I'm, I'm grateful to all the father figures that I've had in life. But for me, where I, I feel like I really started to establish some good roots and, and foundation and setting me up to be a good father was when I decided, well, my wife and I decided to plant ourselves in the church. And it was the community where I saw examples, you know, of, of uh, and, 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 and as I said, we're not perfect. So, so I need to uh, address an area here. I look to that guy over there who's living that, you know, and, and this person over here. And, and that really set me up. Uh, as a, um, a father and, and really answer a lot of questions that I've been, I was really trying to ask at a young age growing up, you know, and so, yeah. I think a big thing in that is, is giving that example for your kids, like Paul said, uh, you know, follow me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Because uh, in the end, when it comes to our kids and their destiny, it's monkey see, monkey do. And one thing I've appreciated growing up is that I've seen this monkey over here uh, when he's got issues, when he's got problems. Um, I've seen him go to God. And I think one of the greatest things, examples we can give our kids is not uh, showing our kids that we've got it all together. It's actually being vulnerable enough to say, hey, I, I need help. But when I need help, I actually go to God. And I think, you know, that hunger for God is, is really important in a father's life because that then will spill over into their kid's life. And I've got my own revelation of Jesus. I'm not borrowing my parents, but I saw my parents, my father, in points of need, in points of desperation, go to God. And I saw God answer his prayers. And I'm going, oh, there's, there's something in this that's real, that's legitimate. It's not just a, a thing they do on a Sunday where they attend church. Um, I see them worshiping during the weekend. I think that example there is so important for our kids so that they can find uh, the father who's the father to the fatherless. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so my son just turned nine months. And, and uh, you know, I've got hopes for him. But my, my greatest hope has got to be that he's going to uh, he's going to know Christ, um, and he's going to know how to go to Christ. And, and the, the way he's going to learn that is, is me. The example I set, you know, um, I'm going to make mistakes, but it, he's going to see that I know how to go to God. Yeah, well, one of the things, one, the other thing that we see with the fatherless is, uh, apart from fatherlessness, is the pressure of expectation. So we see some kids who've got such a huge expectation because they've never heard their parents say sorry, or they never heard their father or make, see them make a mistake and, and, and own up to it. So I think it was super important at some stage to be able to say to the kids, I'm really sorry I did this wrong, I needed help, and then to go to God for it. Otherwise, the expectation we place on them. I want to reiterate what um, what um, Willem said uh, because John Fred, um, you know, church fatherlessness is part of can I say a, a, an issue, a problem in society today, and that's where the church has got a major role uh, for children to come into an environment, whether it's once or twice a week, where there are fathers 
it's not that they can replace the biological father, but they can actually help in those points of identity crisis. Uh, they can minister into those particular areas of need. And so I, I, I just want to lift the value of church. Don't live in isolation. If you're a solo parent, come on, don't live in isolation because it's not about you, it's about your children. And they need that environment of safety. They need that environment of security. They need it where there's good uh, men and women who are around them that can coach them through difficult phases of their life. And I think it's a, a real area that we need to really uphold. And I love the scripture. It's the last verse of the Old Testament. You mentioned it, uh, Jake, that, you know, the hearts of the fathers would turn to the sons yeah. so that the hearts of the sons would turn to the fathers. And what we're missing, often we're, we're wanting the, the, the young people to turn and respect an older generation. But it really takes the heart of the father to turn first. And uh, my my children, challenge to people who are involved in life. Don't just turn your heart to your own kids. Turn your heart to the children who are fatherless, who perhaps just need a word, a coach. You can't replace the biological father, but you can be an important voice in their journey of life. And the scripture finishes, it's it's a distressing verse for me because it says that the hearts of the fathers would turn to the sons, that the hearts of the sons would would turn to the to the fathers, and then it goes. Lest I strike the earth with a curse, and I wonder whether we actually uh, are under. Can I say the the penalty of this curse because fatherlessness has been removed, and we're not upholding it with the value that it needs. And I pray out of our panel today. Come on, let's lift up the value of the dad, the father. I love mums, but come on, let's lift up the value of the father because they bring identity to your children at most crucial points. And I pray that we can we're able to apprehend that and. Uh, powerful way awesome hey perhaps a final comment um, I, I like this question um, we, we often talk about you know when, when you stuff it up not if you stuff it up but when you do stuff it up as a dad um, how do you reconcile that with your faith perhaps Stu we can go to you for that one um, how, do you, how, do you, how, do you, how do you reconcile that because we're trying to say we're trying to keep it real I think today the psychologist and uh, Stu is a, he's a child a registered child psychologist well he's not registered but he is a child psychologist. Definitely not registered. Jim. And uh, yeah. we don't want to, yeah, scratch that from the record. That, uh, as the one that tends to get it wrong more than the others on the <laughs> panel. Um, look, I, I definitely get it wrong a lot. Just ask my kids. And, um, and I think uh, Wayne actually touched on this earlier, that, that we've got to get good at saying sorry. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard, you know. It's, it's hard to say sorry to your wife, let alone your kids, you know. <laughs> but we've got, to, we've got to somehow get rid of that pride and get good at getting down to our kids' level and saying, look, I got it wrong. I'm sorry. And, um, and it's bigger than, than them just um, forgiving you. It's actually about them learning to say sorry themselves. You know, so much of what we do is teaching our kids. We're role modeling to the kids. How you treat your wife is how they're going to treat their wife. How you let the brothers treat their sister is saying to that sister, this is how men's going to treat me in my life. So, so there's a, a lot to it. But the ability to actually get down on our kids' level and say, I'm sorry, is, is incredibly powerful. Yeah. Yeah, I was just thinking uh, my own journey of just kind of being learning to be a dad and learning how to relate with God as a father. It was really evident that how I perceived him was how I was going to receive from him. 
And if I perceived him to be judgmental or unavailable, then that was my approach to maybe to him, my frailty or whatever. And, um, and so as I think about trying to be a dad or learning to be a dad, I think, oh, how did my kids perceive me? They seems to me, perceive me as angry or at a distant or disappointed. And so, you know, working on their perception, learning to say sorry, learning to encourage, learning as like, man, that's going to set the environment where they can grow and, uh, and get the good things out of my life. So just working on perception has been really powerful. And so that's encouraged me to be humble and say sorry when things are wrong, to protect that perception. Yeah, I, I was um, 37 when I came to the Lord, and um, what happened was another father, uh, who was the pastor, he hugged me, and he told me that God loved me. Um, that was a defining moment for me, because then I was, was a word that I had never heard a man say to me. Um, my father never said it to me, it wasn't part of their language, and so it changed the whole way in which I then loved my sons. And uh, and I think that yeah I, I when when I came came to Christ um, I I needed to work through some things that I had done in my life and and seek forgiveness from my own sons and my wife and I think as a father that journey of reconciliation and God being able to restore our family um, was the basis of it was understanding that God loved me. Uh, and I think if we've got the essence that God loves, loves us no matter what we've done in life and how many times we've stuffed up, we can always go back to that God loves me and, and he loves me so much that he's able to help me to bring reconciliation and he's able to help any dad. And I think that's, that's where, where dads get stuck is because we're looking at our failures rather looking at our Father in heaven who, and our Father in heaven loves us. And if we, if, if we can reconcile that, then God can, do, God can take care of everything. All things are possible. Possible from that point. I think um, one of the areas, I, I look at my dad and, um, you know, he died when I was 28, I think. And, um, but I look at him and I always want to go back in life and I, I want to glean from him the qualities that he had that I want. And I look at my dad, he was a very generous man. He was a very accepting man. He wasn't a perfect man, but he was a generous man. He was an accepting man. And even if you're here today, and perhaps you're listening and your dad's not a Christian, but I'm sure there's qualities that you can see in him that represent God. Now, he mightn't be redeemed in a whole lot of areas, but you know, everyone's got a quality, whether it's generosity, accepting, forgiving, there's something that we can glean from every single person. Yeah, right. And then God, he, meet, he, meet, he meets the deficit. Yeah. But we can learn yeah. from every single right. person. Yeah. And I, I just want to encourage you, come on, think of your dad today. What are the qualities that most represent God? Yeah. Even if they're not saved, they're there. Yeah. And, uh, and glean those and say, wow, I uphold that person yeah. for those qualities. Yeah, great, yeah. I think that's important because honouring your dad is, is uh, one of the commandments, honouring your dad, that you might have long life, uh, your, your, your parents. And so often we, as the saying goes, we stumble over what they're not rather than honouring them for who they are. And today is a good opportunity just to honour your dad for who they are without stumbling over what they're not. And uh, it would be a good challenge for many people. Yeah, that's really good. Um, 
Uh, it's funny, you know, our, our kids, it's funny, we're talking about being dads to our kids, but sometimes um, our kids can teach us a lot too, you know, like they can, they often, their honesty can be quite brutal. And um, <laughs> um, so I mentioned earlier that my, uh, you know, my mum and dad split and I never really grew up with my dad, but um, just over the last five or six years, I really felt God uh, say to me, you know, like, connect with your dad, and so he's now living with us, you know, it's like pretty extreme, and um, uh, and my dad knows this, it's not the easiest thing for us at the moment, it's a big journey of discovery, but um, I just remember, and, and, and I just remember my um, kids walking in, or sitting in the lounge watching TV, and my dad comes in, and he's a good man, he's a good man, we talk about qualities, he's kind, you know, and he's, and he always serves, and, and he comes in, and, and uh, he says to the boys, would you like some um, sandwiches. I'll make you some sandwiches. And they didn't say anything. And I was like, oh, that's pretty rude. And then, they, then, then he asked them again, and they turned around, and they snapped at him and said, no, I don't want any sandwiches. And I just got up, and I was like, well, that's not how you talk to your grandfather. Who taught you to talk like that? And they turned around to me and said, well, Dad, that's how you talk to your dad. And I, right there and then, I had to humble myself and actually go, man, yeah, you're right, you know? And, and the role of a dad when it talks to, you know, when you get things wrong is in those moments being able to make them right where, because we influence our kids with everything that we do and, and yeah, I had to humble myself, so, yeah. Awesome. Hey, uh, can we give our panel a big uh, cheer and uh, comment if you like something that they say. Well done to our panel. Thank you so much for your vulnerability and, and all that. And uh, I love... Um, just as we finish off, I love a story that I just heard recently by Corrie Ten Boom. Corrie Ten Boom was reading a poem and the poem she was reading with her mum and there was a word in the poem called sexin, sexin, one word. And she asked her mum, mum, what's, what's sexin? And her mum was so embarrassed it was something that they didn't really talk about as a family and so she didn't really, really divulge too much information. She was embarrassed and the same day, her Corrie Ten Boom and her father were catching a train, and they went on the train, and uh, and Corrie Ten Boom asked her dad, "Hey, dad, what's what's this word sexin?" And the dad dad didn't comment, but her dad was a watchmaker, and he just bought a whole bunch of pieces uh, for for watchmaking, heavy uh, heavy metal pieces for watchmaking, and it was in his bag. And uh, he brought lifted up his bag, and he brought it over to his daughter, and he put it down, and he said, "I want you to carry that bag." And she protested and said to him, well, of course, I can't carry the bag. It's too heavy for me. And he's making the point. He said, I know it's too heavy for you because there are things in life that, that actually you don't need to know right now as a child. And, he, and he's asking his daughter, he says, can you trust me to know that the things that I'm entrusting to you right now, there's things that are beyond your years. And in due time, you'll understand these things for yourself. But right now, I'm, I'm tr- you've got to trust me to know that I will carry these things for you. And I love that story because as we close our service today, the Bible says there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I love the fact that these guys have all shared today that they've all made mistakes. They're not perfect fathers. They're not perfect father figures. And there's a great amount of vulnerability that we've heard today. And it's sometimes recognising that actually in life, we don't make all the right decisions. And the problem within life is that those things are called sin where we walk away from God or we're disobedient or we don't do the things that He's asked us to do. Or we know that's not hard for us to recognise. The challenge with that is that the wages of sin or the penalty is death. 
But we serve a God today. We're here to say we serve a God today who loves you, who cares for you. If you maybe feel like you've been an absent father, you maybe feel like you've done something wrong or you've let your kids down. What I love is there's a God who loves you. There's a God who sent His Son Jesus to die in your place so that you might find life again. And it's in His claim today, His claim that on three, three days He would be resurrected and, he, and we would be able to share in this resurrected life with Him, which means that we don't have to condemn ourselves for the things that the devil would say would put on us, but we're able to live this life of hope, a life of future. And so today, listen, if what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. I'd love you to pray this prayer if you wanna give your heart to Jesus, if you recognise that you may be in a place where you've tried to do life your own way, but you failed. Come on, God's here, to, God's here to tell you that. Come on, give your life to Him. Give your life to Him. Put your life in His hands and see what He can do with it. We're gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. If you wanna pray this prayer and accept Jesus into your life, why don't you pray this with me? Dear God, today I open up the door of my heart and I ask that You would come in. Be my Lord and be my Saviour. And Lord, forgive me of all of the things that I've done wrong. Lord, I thank You for giving me a new start when You died on the cross. And today I accept Your free gift of salvation. I recognise that I can't earn it and I don't deserve it, but You give it freely and fully. And I thank You, Lord God, that I can live this resurrected life with You. On this Father's Day, I give my life to You, Jesus. And it's in Your Name that I pray. And everybody said, Amen and Amen. Hey, listen, on behalf of the Equipus Church, Happy Father's Day. We're so glad that you joined us. I want to say thank you again to our wonderful conversation that we had with our guys here today as well. We pray that you've been blessed today in Jesus' Name. God bless and have a great day. See you later.